Exodus chapter uh, 5 is where, where we're at. Last week, last, last week we talked about um, Moses and how he argued with God. He was still at the burning bush. He was arguing with God. He was questioning his plan. He finally gave in. And uh, Moses and uh, uh, Zipporah are traveling and, and, uh, uh, and God tries to kill him because you've got to get right with God before He can use you. And so he gets right with God, with God and he moves on. He was probably afraid to tell her what he had seen. And we shouldn't be afraid to tell people what God has done in our lives. A lot of the time... We are because we're afraid of what people will think, or they'll think we'll, they'll think that we're uh, crazy or kooky or something like that. But, but God had spoke to him through a burning bush, and he had to tell people that. So he goes on to Egypt, and he meets with the elders, and they, he throws his staff down, and it becomes a snake, and he throws, he sticks his hand in, and it becomes leprous, and then he takes it out, and it's clean again, and all that stuff. So. He gives a sign and everyone believes him and so now he's going to go over to Pharaoh. So chapter 5 verse 1. Afterward Moses and Aaron came and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go that they may celebrate a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord and besides I will not let Israel go. Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God lest He fall upon, us with, fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. The king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you draw the people away from their work? Get back to your labors. Again Pharaoh said, Look, the people of the land are now many and you would have them cease from their work. So the same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters over the people and their foremen, saying, You are no longer to give the people straw to make bricks as previously. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the quota of bricks which they were making previously, you will impose on them. You are not to reduce any of it, because they are lazy. Therefore they cry out, Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let the labor be heavier on the men, and let them work at it that they may pay no attention to false words. So Moses and Aaron, they go and they ask to leave from Pharaoh, let us go out and make a sacrifice to our God. And then it will come back. And Pharaoh says, who is, who is the God of the Hebrews that I should listen to him? I'm Pharaoh. Why should I listen to him? In fact, you need to get back to your burdens. And the only reason you're thinking about this is because you haven't been working hard enough. You get no more straw for your bread bricks. You've got to go out and gather yourself. And they would make bricks out of mud and dirt and water, and the straw would help hold it all together. They had to have it. Before, the Egyptians would gather it for them and pile it in a place, I'm sure, and then they would make their bricks. But now he said, you've got to go get your own straw. And not only that, you have to make the same number of bricks. So Moses and Aaron have done what God has told them to, and it seems to have backfired on them. You know, more bricks, uh, or the same number of bricks, but no straw. So, verse 10, The taskmasters of the people and their foremen went out and spoke to the people, saying, Thus says Pharaoh, I am not going to give you any straw. You go and get straw for yourselves wherever you can find it. 
but none of your labor will be reduced. And the people scattered through all the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw. The taskmasters pressed them, saying, Complete your work quota, your daily amount, just as when you had straw. Moreover, the foremen of the sons of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, Why have you not completed your required amount, either yesterday or today, in making brick as previously? So the people worked harder, and the leaders were beaten, and they were suffered because they weren't making their quota. The foremen of the sons of Israel came and cried out to Pharaoh, saying, Why do you deal this way with your servants? Verse 17, he said, You are lazy, very lazy. Therefore you say, Let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Go now and work. You will be given no straw. Yet you must deliver the quota of bricks. The foremen of the sons of Israel saw that they were in trouble because they were told, You must not reduce your daily amount of bricks. And they left Pharaoh's presence and met Moses and Aaron as they were waiting for them. And they said to them, May the Lord look upon you and judge you, for you have made us odious in Pharaoh's sight and in the sight of his servants to put a sword in your hand to kill us. Moses returned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you brought harm to these people? Why did you ever send me? Ever since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done harm to his people, to this people. And you have not delivered your people at all. So they, com- they go and complain to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh tells them, look, I don't care. You're going to have to make more bricks. And you've obviously got too much time in your hands to thinking about be going into the desert. And they go and complain to Moses. And they said, we hope God judges you for what you have done to us. And Moses turns to God and says, God, what in the world is going on? Why are you doing this? I have tried to do what you have told me to, what in the world? Why is this the way it is? I did what you told me to, but you haven't come through. You haven't delivered them. You haven't let us go. And so, let's go on to chapter 6. It's short and, and we'll get through it. Verse 1, Lord said to Moses, You will see what I will do to Pharaoh. For under compulsion he will let them go. Then under compulsion he will drive them out of his land. God spoke further to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. And I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, Lord, Jehovah, I did not make myself known to them. I established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they sojourn. So God comes to Pharaoh, or God comes to Moses when he's been complaining, and he says, look, Pharaoh's going to let you go because I'm going to make him. And not only that, he says, I am the Lord. He said, I'm the same God that appeared to your forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He said, to them, I was just God Almighty. But to you, I'm Jehovah. I'm something that... I have, I'm showing you things that they never knew before. I'm showing you things that are new that they have never known. He says, I will fulfill my promise all the way to verse 8. I will bring you to the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. And Moses spoke thus... He spoke so to the sons of Israel, and they did not listen to Moses on account of their despondency and cruel bondage. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Go tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the sons of Israel go out of his land. Moses spoke before the Lord, saying, Behold, the sons of Israel have not listened to me. How then will Pharaoh listen to me? For I am unskilled in speech. The Lord spoke to Moses in the air and gave them a charge to the sons of Israel and to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the sons of Israel out of the land of Egypt. 
So the Lord says, look, I will fulfill my promise. You go and talk to Pharaoh and tell them, tell him to let the people go. And, and, and Moses says, look, God, Israel hasn't even listened to me. My own people, what, do you, what makes you think Pharaoh? Why is he going to listen to me? I'm not a skilled speaker, God. And I love that Moses gives these arguments, these complaints, and God doesn't even answer it. He doesn't even answer one because he already has through Aaron. And he just moves on and says, look, I'm giving you a charge to like charge like you you would charge someone to do something. Uh, I'm I'm giving you this task to the sons of Israel and to Pharaoh to do these things. And so down in verses 14 through 27, they list uh, the tribes and, and the sons of Israel and how long they were born. We won't read them all, but we'll read the first few for an example. Verse 14. These are the heads of their father's household. The sons of Reuben, Israel's firstborn, Hanuk and Pula, Hezron and Carmi, these are the families of Reuben. And the sons of Simeon, Jemuel and Jamin and Ohad and Jacob and Zohar and Shal, the son of a Canaanite woman, these are the families of Simeon. And on and on it goes through Reuben, Simeon and Levi and, and, and all these names and tells them and, and their tribes and how old they were and down in verse 28. It came about on the day when the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, that the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, I am the Lord, speak to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I speak to you. But Moses said before the Lord, Behold, I am unskilled in speech. How then will Pharaoh listen to me? So God tells Moses to go speak to him, and he gives kind of like a, uh, it's, it's, he's trying to act like he's humble, but that he's not. It's an excuse, oh Lord, I can't do that. I'm not skilled in speech, he says. It's just an excuse. That's all it is. That's all it is. It's an excuse. It's fake humility. It's like an insult to a God thinking that God won't see through it, that God won't figure it out. So here's Moses and Aaron, and they have done what God has asked them to, and all it has done is got them in trouble. Here's the thing. Uh, being bold costs you. If you really want to follow God, it's going to cost you. And not only that, uh, it's going to cost those around you. It cost Moses and Aaron, and it cost the Israelites because they stood up to Pharaoh. God tests our commitment to his cause. They were doing God's work. But God said, you know what? You're doing what I asked you to, but I'm going to see how committed you really are. I'm going to hold out a bit. I'm going to let Pharaoh do some things because I want to know how committed you really are. He, how dedicated you are to this cause. We hear verses like um, Isaiah, you know, oh, I, they that wait upon the Lord will mount up with wings as eagles and they're sore, you know, you'll soar over your problems and your difficulties, you know. But, you know, when you wait upon the Lord, it's going to cost you. When you wait upon the Lord, when you really try to follow God, it's going to cost you. Now, the cost is different for everyone. For Moses, you know, the cost was the respect of the people of Israel. For one thing, he had to wonder if he was—he had to wonder if he was doing the, the right thing, you know. But God wanted to know how dedicated was he. It's the same for us, for all of us. And I know it's true in my life. And being bold will cost us. Um, I don't know what that cost is. For all of us, I can't say. For each one of us, it's different. But when you follow God, He's going to test how dedicated you are. 
because he wants you to go through some trials so he'll see how bad you really want it. Just like if you have children and they ask for something, well, you don't give it to them right away, you know, because people ask for things all the time. I ask God for things all the time, and then the next day I forget about it. Children want a toy one day, they have to have it. And then the next day, it's something else. They'll forget about it and move on. If they keep coming back to it day after day, well, maybe it's something you should think about. And God is treating us like that. Another thing that I saw is that they were really uh, clinging to the past. They, The Israelites were holding on to what God had shown himself to be to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. But God said, look, I'm going to show you things that they have never seen, that they could never imagine. And people think that God can only do what He has done in the past. That's not true. He can do a lot more. You know, He can do infinitely more than He has done in the past. And He's going to have to, you know, in order to redeem His world. You know, uh, we, we get in our mind that because God worked one way before, that that's the way He's going to work this ne- next time. And that's not the case. Because one time, uh, you know, one time God has you travel this way to reach your goal. And another time He'll have you travel another. One time He might test you monetarily with your finances. Another time He might test you with illness. One time He might test you with your family. Another time it might be with something else. But we can't think that we can't hold on to the past. Now the thing about the Israelites is they were holding on to good things. I'm sure you've heard lots of pastors. You might have had lots stand here and say, you know, we can't cling to the past, you know, and traditions and this and that. But some of what we're holding on to is good things. It is, it is good great things that God has done in our life. But because He's done it that way, doesn't mean He's going to do it that way again. It's not negating the past. When God said, I am Jehovah, you know, I am that I am, He wasn't saying, I'm no longer the God that, I'm no longer God Almighty that I was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm God Almighty and I am the Lord Jehovah. And later on through Scripture, He shows us, you know, I am, I am Jehovah Rafi. I am the healer. I am Jehovah Shalom. I am the Lord who sends who sends peace. I am all these things. And and the thing about studying the uh, Scripture is, if I only had to think that God could work how He has worked in my life, then I wouldn't have very much to go on. Or in your life, you would only have you know, uh, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years maybe to work on. But here we have thousands and thousands and thousands of years of God working to go through. And millions, you know, billions of trillions of people of whom God has worked through to show us and to rely on. And we have all of history to show us that. We can't limit God to only working how He has done in the past. Just because in the past and with the church it might have happened one one way, it doesn't mean it's going to happen that way again. Sometimes we have to look for something new. You know, now new might be, you know, a Ford letter where word. To some people it might be a dirty word, you know. But it's got to be within Scripture. It's got to line up with Scripture. God was not revealing anything 
to Moses that that was outside of the lines of Scripture. That was outside of who he was, you know. I'm all for looking for something new. But if you come to me, you know, and say, you know, that God has told you that, you know, he needs to, uh, that we all have to shave our heads and our eyebrows in order to be saved and to get closer to God, you know, I'm not going to believe that because that's a little bit outside of Scripture. Now, I've had people, I worked at a bookstore in Oklahoma City and they would come and invite me to revivals. And uh, if I went, I would get gold dust in my hair and gold fillings in my teeth, you know, and all this sort of things, you know, that stuff is not scriptural. I'm, I'm 100% of looking for something new if it lines up with scripture. That's why we have to know what our Bible says. That's why we have to know what it, what it does. If I do something that you think isn't scriptural, then by all means, come and tell me, you know. I desire to follow scripture as much as we can. can. But look for God to work in new ways. Ways that He has never had in the past. Who would have imagined in their right mind that God would send plagues on Egypt and lead them by a pillar of fire by night, a giant cloud of fire in the sky and a giant cloud, a regular cloud by day? Who would have thought that up? Nobody. But that's the way God worked. And, and God will work in ways that we can't even imagine that are so far beyond our comprehension if we will only let Him. If we will open ourselves up to Him doing those things, no matter what it costs to ourselves or our pride or our, our history or our tradition or any of those things. And, you know, it says that God hears the cries of our heart. He says, you know, I, hears, I hear the cries of my people in Egypt. Not... And when we think this, we think, oh, every time I have a problem and I cry out to God, He hears me. Well, that's true for the most part, but this is not a cry like God is talking about. You know, uh, when Sarah and I lay Hannah down, sometimes she cries, and, and sometimes it's just a cry, just a cry. You know, just open my mouth up and make a cry. Sometimes, to God, we do that. God, I'm just opening up my mouth and I'm making noises. That's it. I don't really need anything. I don't really have a problem. I just feel like this is always the time of the day when I talk to you, so I should. And then there are those times when she is uh, hurt or she's sick or she's upset and she cries and it's different. And we hear it and we know it. And God knows that's with us. He isn't hearing our... He's not going to respond to every single whimper and moan and cry. He's going to respond to the deep cries of our heart when we cry out to Him and He answers. Those are the things that God hears. Those are the things that God listens to and those are the things that He answers. And we have to learn to differentiate those things in our heart to know, well, I feel like, well, God has, has an answer to me. Well, is this something that God needs to answer or is this something that I can step up and take care of myself? Uh, does God need to do this for me? Is this really something He has to do? Is this really something that troubles me and bothers me and keeps me awake? You know, no, no, no. Uh, at, at night, is this something that I pray like that for and God hears me and answers? Well, uh, but those are the cries that God hears. Like it says in Romans, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with, with groanings which cannot be heard. With groanings which cannot be spoken. You know, and that's what God hears. And that's what was going on in Egypt that he heard. 
So that's chapters 5 and 6. In the next few weeks, we get on into the plagues. Uh, the blood and the water, the frogs, the locusts, the wild lice, all those things that God begins to send. And we'll talk some about those things and how they all work. So, but know that God is going to test us. He's going to test our commitment to how dedicated we are. And it might cost us. For some of these people, it probably cost them their life. And it cost Moses and it cost the four men of Egypt because they were beaten for it, you know? All because Moses was doing what God commanded him to, because God was testing Moses. It's going to cost us and it might cost those around us some discomfort. And, and to look for God to move in ways like He never has before. Why don't we uh, pray and we'll be dismissed. Here, Father God, I thank You for this day, Lord, and for, uh, for all that You have done, God. I pray, Lord, in these next few moments, uh, as we leave this place, Lord, that we will continue to think on these things, Lord, and that uh, as we go to our homes and our cars, Lord, and our families, that we will just know who You are, God, and what You have done, Lord, that we will not cling to the past, we will look for You. God, I pray that You would work in ways like You never have before. pray that You would leave us speechless, God, like You never have before. Oh God, You are, are so good to us, God. You are so good and so great, Father. We love You so much, God. You, Lord, I pray that You will take these words, Lord, and not make them just words that I speak or words that we hear, Lord, but turn them into action, God. Turn them into principles, and things that we apply and put into our lives, Lord, right now, as soon as we leave this place, Lord, continue to work in our hearts. We love you. We pray these things in your name. Amen.